This episode of Geek Loves Nerd is brought to you by DrawYouAPicture.com, where you can have me, your host, draw you something for your church, your ministry, your podcast, your family, your business for pretty darn cheap. Check it out at DrawYouAPicture.com. See what I've done for others and see what I can do for you. Geek Loves Nerd, trying to find something in common since 1996. Hey, how you doing? This is Geek Loves Nerd Podcast, trying to find something in common since 1996, show number 57, brought to you the week of October 5th, 2009. Hi, I'm James. I am the geek, and unfortunately, Jen the nerd is unable to be with us tonight. I'm going to be carrying the show solo. I wanted to give you guys a little something, but um, we have been like totally, totally traveling, totally traveling, dude. Uh, We went to Florida last week, kind of unexpectedly, and spent a week traveling between St. Petersburg, Florida, and St. Mary's, Georgia, visiting some family and uh, just going around and, you know, just taking some time, getting on the beach and things. And uh, we may have an announcement as a result of that in a couple of weeks, but we are going to have to wait and see. Uh, you know, we'd mentioned a late, a major life change. We've been talking about that for a while. And even before that, talking about feeling like something major was happening. And uh, you guys have heard about me and Jen switching places and all that. Well, forget everything you've heard and just wait and see what uh, what's going on in the Kennison household. You just you just never know. But welcome to Geek Loves Nerd. We uh, <clears throat> I uh, there's no we, but we as in me and you are going to spend some time talking about the topic of how to weave faith in in God into your children. And even if this is not a topic that applies to you, I hope that you will listen and uh, that you'll give us some feedback. Because even if you don't have kids, uh, you know, even if you don't take religion very seriously, uh, chances are once you have children, you will. If you had any kind of church upbringing, uh, if you have any kind of faith, you're going to suddenly uh, want that to be a part of your kid's life uh, and probably more than your own. Um, so before we get too much into that, though, I want to tell you that uh, today's episode of Geek Loves Nerds is brought to you by GoToMeeting. If you've ever hosted or attended an online meeting, you know how difficult it could be to set up a meeting or even just get it started. And that's why you need the easiest online meeting service available. Uh, and that happens to be GoToMeeting, brought to you by Citrix. It takes just minutes to set up and you can start a meeting in seconds. Plus, you can hold as many meetings as you want for one flat rate. So go do this. Visit gotomeeting.com slash podcast. Again, that's gotomeeting.com slash podcast. And uh, these are online meetings made easy with GoToMeeting. Uh, check it out today and help out the podcast and help out your business uh, or your own, uh, you know, just just help yourself out. and Check out GoToMeeting. Uh, today's episode also is sponsored by a couple of listeners. I want to thank Dean Piercy and Mike Prince for sponsoring 
episode 56 of Geek Loves Nerd. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think if there's any updates that are going on. Usually updates are things that we, you know, news items or uh, things that Jen and I swap back and forth about our week. Uh, I know Jennifer had something that she wanted to share with you uh, about our trip. So I will I will try to try to convey that as best possible because she probably wouldn't want to say it anyway because I reminded her of it. But the other day um, we were on the trip and you know we had we were coming back home uh, driving and I was just kind of just thinking. I was in deep thought and just kind of staring off in in not into space but into the horizon driving the car and uh you know my wife, we'd had a lot of of deep discussions that week you know and just soul searching and different things and my wife looks over it to me and she says James what are you thinking about and i kind of laughed to myself because the honest god truth was uh optimus prime <laughs> So if that doesn't make me a geek, I don't know what does. But I was. I had saw a truck, you know, the flat Mack truck, and then I'd seen a Peterbilt truck, you know, with the little nose thing sticking out of the front. Thinking about the difference between the original Optimus Prime and the new Optimus Prime, and I've seen how each one transforms in their toys. And then I was thinking about how uncomfortable that must be because the old Optimus Prime uh, literally drove... um, on the front, I mean, his wheel, his wheels, his legs went behind him, so he rolled around on the front of his legs, and the new Optimus Prime kind of squishes down, and his feet are the front grill. And uh, <laughs> thinking how uncomfortable that would be to drive around like that. So yeah, I'm a total total geek nerd dork retard. So yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed that. My wife, uh, just imagining her cackling in the background. And laughing at us. Hey, uh, as far as updates, so I hope you guys are checking out geeklovesnerd.com on a daily basis. Monday through Friday, we are updating that thing with uh, tips and tricks and, and ideas and concepts about marriage, about family, about parenting. And that's exactly where our uh, our topic comes from today. Is an article I just wrote today. Matter of fact, the full title was Teaching Your Children About God Isn't As Complicated As It Might Seem. Maybe not a great title, but... You know what? Whatever. Um, it's funny to me how I, as a person, as a as a parent, have no problem uh, with how to keep my child healthy. I know for a fact that to do that, I have to make sure they eat good food, that they get exercise, that they get plenty of sleep. Uh, I know I have no problem with how to make my kids smart. They tell me just read to them. You know, read to them, make sure they have have plenty of play and constructive things to do. Um, I have no problems helping my children work and develop their talents. You know, if they're sports kids, you just throw a ball around, pay some attention to them, take them to games. If they dance, take them to dance class. If they if they do art, buy them some crayons and markers and paints and go nuts. It's easy, no problems. Why, though, is it when it comes to spiritual things, first of all, why do so many of us not even care? Okay, there's a quite a few people, and it's not maybe that they don't care, but they don't realize how important it is. And then even if they do, why do we suddenly get weirded out by the idea of having to pour into our lives spiritually? Now, there's various reasons why we don't. We feel like we, we could mess it up. 
we feel like we don't know what we're doing. We feel like it's different somehow, and I'm not, I'm not qualified. But the Bible is very clear that any person that has a child has a, has a job to do, to train up that child in the way they should go. We, as parents, are to be the primary source of spiritual guidance in their lives. But what I've found so many times is there's this attitude, you know, I don't know how to do ballet, so I take my kid to ballet class and they teach him. You know, I, I if my kid wants to learn to read, I don't have to teach him. I take him to school and they teach him. And I don't have to teach my kid about God because they have a children's pastor. I'll take them to church and Sunday school, and they can teach them. See, none of those are legitimate. None of those work. I can tell you after 10 years, nearly 10 years of children's ministry myself, I am a children's pastor. I can tell you that what I teach kids falls flat if it's not something that's just simply reinforcing and and giving practical application to something they've already learned at home or or had some sort of connection to. If I can hook on to something they know and extend it or add to it or 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 you know just give them a little bit more to it, it'll stick. But otherwise, I can only teach a child to be good in my class. I can what I teach them very rarely will reach out past the doors of my own church. But what a child learns in the home, discipline-wise, spiritual-wise, all that stuff, behavior-wise, I've noticed that when they learn it at home, it does apply in every other area of their life. See, I know kids that are bad at school, or they're good at school and bad at home and bad at church. Why is that? Because they've learned that they can't get away with it at school. But does it transfer to home? No. Does it transfer to church? No. So it's important for us to build a foundation. And and notice I am linking discipline and spirituality because it is very, very true that that I believe anyway that all discipline, and I'm not talking about beating a child, discipline is not uh, necessarily uh, discouraging a child. Discipline is, is the concept, the idea of being someone who chooses good over evil, someone who makes good choices instead of bad, someone who looks for the best instead of the worst. That is the idea of being disciplined. And discipline turns a child. It's not teaching a child to be good. It's teaching a child to be like Christ, a.k.a. Uh, a good person. But... I mean, can I break it down like this? I I don't like, I don't know. I don't want to sound too much like a preacher. Um, because I know some of you are preacher people and some of you are not church people, and that's fine. So just bear with me for a minute. I believe we have an enemy in this world, just like I believe we have God. I believe there is someone that hates us just as much as God does. And though it sounds a little cheesy, and I, honestly, I could care less about the guy I believe that there is an enemy of our soul. Some people would call him Satan, Beelzebub. Um, you know, uh, I don't remember what his name was in Spawn. Um, but uh, Meg- Megalobolia or something like that. I don't care what you call him. Uh, Lucifer, whatever. Um, it's Even if you just believe it's a concept, I don't care. But I believe there's true evil in this world that tries to destroy good people. And that force isn't... It, it makes sense to me that that force, whatever it is in your mind or whatever, uh, is going to be against people teaching their children properly 
in the spiritual in their in their spirit, teaching them to learn and love God. It would make sense to me that that evil force would not want us to connect our children to the heart of Christ, to the heart of God Himself. Um, he wouldn't mind you teaching your kid to be smart because he can use that, and he wouldn't mind about talent, especially. Lord knows we got lots and lots of people out there that are talented using their talents for various things, mostly self-serving. I'm not the guy that gets on the bandwagon that every musician that's not singing for Jesus is bad. Um, I just see a lot of self-centered folks doing it. And you can watch some VH1 if you want and see how well that does people. Even if, uh, you know, you like their music, they're, you know, living for yourself is not, not too great. But you get a kid that's balanced spiritually that's that's like what they call a triple threat where, you know, if they have talent, if they're smart and they're spiritual, then you've got a kid that can go out there and change the world and not get too hung up on himself. Remember who he's who he or she is serving uh, and, and keep their head on square, not ruin their life, not get involved in drugs and alcohol and not make bad choices. You've developed in them uh, a desire for good things, godly things. But but why? How you know why do we struggle against that? I think honestly, I think we our enemy. Um, just like we can be tempted to be afraid, just like we can be tempted to think bad things about people, we can also be tempted um, with feelings of uh, shortcomings and feeling like we can't do it. But today, I just wanted to you know it's going to be a short show probably, but I wanted to give you some tips and just some ideas that I've come to on how to weave faith into a child's life in a very practical down-to-earth way. Now, three of them are easy and three of them are difficult. I'll be honest with you. Three of them are difficult. Three of them are easy. Let's start with the easy stuff. Number one, read to them. If you want a kid to be smart intellectually, you read to them, right? If you want them to know the things uh, uh, of God, they're written in a book called the Bible. Now, tell your children stories from the Bible. Now, I don't sit there and read word for word out of the Bible, okay? I, I will probably later on. Uh, and if you do that, great. Get, but get hung up on versions. Uh, right now, the best, in my personal opinion, the best version to read to children is the CEV, the Contemporary English Version. Um, I don't like New King James for that purpose. I don't like King James for kids. I don't like NIV for kids. And I definitely don't uh, like the message for kids. The message is great for adults who are doing reading because it reads like a novel. It, it's a it's a paraphrase, and that's great. But a lot of times they put a lot of stuff in there, and the sentence structure is very difficult. And though we can follow it, a younger child can't. And when I say younger, I'm talking middle school and down. A high schooler can read it for himself. Get him the message. That'd be great. But CEV is written very practically, very down to earth. Now, if you're a KJV only person, blah, 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 God bless you. I disagree with you wholeheartedly. Um, you know what? God's word is is meant to be for everyone. And what about the Chinese? They don't read KJV. How are they going to get Jesus? So your, your, your argument's a little uh, screwed up. But anyway, uh, if you if you're one of those that that uh, that can go out and get CEV or get a children's um, Bible story book, there's nothing wrong with reading them as stories. They're awesome. Um, but what I do is I find an age appropriate uh, book or whatever, and um, I read it to them. If they're older than my kids, my kids are four and one and a half. 
uh, then have them read the stories to you and then ask questions. I, I do that with my daughter. We ask questions back and forth. Um, like tonight, for instance, I told her the story of Zacchaeus. Now, in the book, um, it's it's not, you know, straight out of the Bible, it's not very descriptive. So I, I elaborate a little bit. I imagined, you know, here's this little guy. He's, he's, he's short. They made a point to make a point of that. So it must have been an issue for him. He's a tax collector. He's ripping off people. Um, everybody probably hates his guts because he's doing that. And he's short. But he's tripping on power because... You have to respect me. I work for the Roman government. And so I made, you know, a point of all these things that he was not a nice guy, that that he was mean, but he was hurting inside. And he went to find Jesus and he saw that everybody was really tall. And oh, man, at this point, she's really into it because she remembers the story. And he climbed up and she's like, sycamore tree. Exactly. And we got up there and, and Jesus called him by name and says, I'm going to go eat lunch with you. And, and you know, blah, blah, blah. And he, he asked for forgiveness, talks about he's going to give the money back plus extra and all this. And she knew the story, but man, hearing it. You know, being told to her like that was just, it just brought it to life. After that, I asked her questions. I'm like, does Jesus just love good people? And she says, no, Jesus loves everybody. I said, that's right. But does he love bad? Why do you think he loves bad guys? And she says, because um, he loves everybody. And I says, and he wants good guys or bad guys to become good guys. And I was able to add on to something she already knew because initially we were just talking about unconditional love, that Jesus loves everybody, good or bad. And that kind of blew her mind back in the day. Now we were able to add on there the reason why. So, you know, if I was talking about Jonah and the whale, that's a great story. You know, I'm going to talk about obeying God. I'm going to talk about, and and I'm going to remind her, there's one thing, the, the whale is usually the bad guy in the story. But the whale, if you read it for yourself right in the Bible, the whale was the salvation of God because he had been thrown overboard. And, and, and you hear in, in his prayer that as the uh, weeds are, the seaweed is grabbing around him in the air, you know, he's going to die. Uh, God sends this, this giant fish to swallow him. And though he was in that belly of the whale for three days, you got to remember he was underwater in the belly for three days, and he was alive. He lived to tell the ta- tell the tale, and um, so I talk about that from that angle. That you know, yeah, it stunk being in a fish, but God had mercy on him. You know, he he didn't do what he was supposed to do, and uh, you know, if I if we were God, we'd probably would have ignored Jonah and let him you know hash it out himself in the waves, but. Uh, he was good, but but when we obey God, we avoid drama, we avoid issues and things like that. Um, so anyway, just an example of how you can you can break that down for them. And it's not about watering it down. It's it's just about finding out what they can understand about a story and hitting them with that. And don't be afraid to tell the same stories over and over again. Kids love it, just like they love watching videos again and again and again. Uh, they're going to love watching or listening to the same uh uh, stories and you know maybe they want to tell them to you once in a while especially if you have younger kids uh, and don't correct them too much as long as they get the purpose of it they don't need to know the this chapter and verse at that point so read to your kids uh, the second thing i've got on the easy stuff is share with them tell them stories and share with them of times that god uh, was there for you in your life the other night when it uh, me and jen take turns every night, other night putting them to bed and telling them stories and stuff. And I told her story of a little boy that was swinging on a, on a rope swing. And suddenly um, he felt like he needed to go inside. And he did that. 
And uh, suddenly, uh, you know, his mother was yelling for him and he runs out thinking that he's in trouble, uh, runs out of the bathroom as soon as he can. And he finds that the rope swing he'd been swinging in is up in a tree because a drunk driver had run up in his front yard and hit the tree. And two cops with their guns out were wrestling the guy to the floor and, and you know, to the point that and my mom was or, <laughs> there. I spoiled it. But the mom was yelling to the point that the cops thought that she was talking to the man on the ground, that that maybe was her husband. But she thought that I was underneath that uh, that car. And, of course, at the end, I I let her know that 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 was me, that, that God had saved my life uh, of all things by making me. Um, feel like I needed to go inside to use the restroom. It sounds so silly, but uh, you know, when you're a kid and you have to go pee, uh, it kind of builds and you ignore it and build. But dude, I never before and never since have have had to go from zero to a hundred as far as needing to go to the restroom in my life. And I thought about that mess, and I'm like, yeah, if God had just you know talked to me. I would have been a kid. I'd have thought I was hearing things, and I probably would have looked around for it and got hit by a car. Um, if he had sent an angel down, I'd have passed out, got hit by a car. If he had sent a fiery bush, I would have, uh, flipped out, lost my mind, got hit by a car. So, uh, God, God, I truly believe as silly as that is. And that's just you know, par for the course for my life, uh, in relation to God. But I believe that. And, and it blew my daughter's mind and she, and she realized that, you know, I made the point of letting her know that she has a daddy today because God looked out for him when he was a little boy and that her life is different because God loves her family. And that is the awesome thing about sharing your stories with your kids. Now don't, don't go into the deep dark recesses of drug addiction and male prostitution or whatever you were involved in, God forbid, but find out again, what's age appropriate and give your kids uh, that information and, and they can see how your relationship with God has shaped the family that they're a part of. All right. Number three is, uh, okay. Number one was read to them. Number two, share with them. Number three is involve them. See, church is important. Uh, the older your child is, the more important it becomes because, statistically and otherwise it's just a fact i mean it was the same way when you were a kid when you're in middle school and high school the opinions of your friends matter more than the opinions of your parents you judge yourself more by what they think about you than by what uh your folks do because your folks aren't cool anymore right and um Kids have, what, four major areas that they get friends from. One would be school. One would be church. One would be the neighborhood. And another one would be, uh, you know, activities like soccer and things that you take them to. Dance, whatever it is, art class. So out of all those places, which area do you want your kids to be pulling most of their friends from? I found that kids um, who base most of their friends out of their church they have a higher success rate when it comes to making it through middle school and high school and keeping their faith intact. Um, you know, you, you probably want friends for your kids that share the same, um, close to the same moral values that you do. Um, but it's it you you want to find a church that. I don't know, you know, sometimes we look at churches and we want to, we look at the best sets, okay? When we, when we're looking at kids, uh, going to church, 
We think, okay, do, do they have nice people? Do they have great facilities? Do they have great music? And, you know, I, I can tell you from the other side of the curtain, you, those things don't necessarily make a church children's ministry great. I, matter of fact, it's, sometimes it's the opposite. The, the, sometimes the more I see money in a children's ministry, the less I see any kind of, of, of uh, content, you know? Um, not that they're bad people, but that they... Sometimes it's all about the videos and the flashes and the, the lighting and the dramas, and it's less about getting into the life of your child. Now, if you're doing your job right at home and you're reading and you're involving and you're sharing with them uh, and, and the three other things we're going to mention later, then, you know, honestly, church, it, it, the emphasis on how well they're treating you spiritually is lessened. I always trip when people flip out about, you know, oh, the worship is too much or the, the this and I can't do this at church because this lady's doing that. And all. you know what? That's probably a sign that you are relying on that service as your only spiritual input for the week. And, that you know, church is not and will never be that. Uh, church is for fellowship and it's for leadership primarily. And it's a place for Christians to come together to dispense and their 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 resources with the community, and to tell other people about Christ. That's that's it. Um, you know, it's never it was never meant to be the primary place for all of you to to get all you everything that you need. And it's the same with your kids. So, you know, if you're doing things at home, it lessens that 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 uh, that pressure. But find a place that loves children. That is that is preaching and teaching and involving kids, allowing them opportunities to practice their faith, to become deeper and more committed than ever before. A place that emphasizes missions and giving and prayer and worship and teaches them the basics and reinforces the things that you believe at home. Uh, a place that doesn't tear down uh, the validity of, of the parents' involvement in their children's lives. Uh, a place that supports what you're doing in the home. And... Um, and primarily, I'm becoming more and more of a fan of of churches that have a family based approach to ministry. Um, prim- because if the only problem I have with children's church as a whole is if if the if it's open every time the doors are open, how are your kids going to learn from you how to worship if they never see you worship? I, I'm a fan of services, that, you know, not all the time, but once in a while where a family can sit together. And, and do that. I, I know um, if I had my way in a perfect world, uh, at least once a month there would be an all-age family service going on, and uh, and kids and parents could worship together, and 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 it wouldn't be a kids service where adults aren't just invited, and, and it wouldn't be an adult service where kids were just invited. It's it, it would be somewhere in there that would it wouldn't insult the intellectual. Um, I, and it wouldn't bore the child. It, it would be the kind of service where every single person would walk away, like the old folks would walk away and say, wow, I thought they were going to make that a little more kid-friendly. And the kids would walk away and say, hmm, that was really fun. It was just for me. So, I don't know. There's got to be a balance out there. But involve your kids in what you're doing spiritually as well. Um, now, you've got to have your own quiet times and you know times for prayer for you and your spouse. But... Uh, what can you do? Uh, I guess that idea came from this. I, I have a habit, 
And right lately, I've had the opportunity to be able to pull to the side of the road and help people. Um, and one of them wasn't so fun. And that was when I, I helped uh, Greg Holly on the side of the road after he had been in a horrific, horrific accident. And uh, and it's just, I mean, even now it's just hard to remember and think about everything that, that, that went on there. But it was a God thing, and I was able to be there for, for him to hold his hand, to pray with him. Um, he, he eventually passed away but but he was not alone on the side of the road and uh and and my daughter was you know not 10 foot away in a car thankfully she didn't see anything but she knew you know what had happened and she knew daddy was there with somebody that had been hit by somebody that wasn't paying attention on the road and then uh a little later i was able to stop and help someone tow their car out of a ditch and uh, my daughter saw was there for both of those happenings because she spends time with me and she, you know, started asking questions about why we do those things. And I said, I'm just trying to show God's love in a real way because, you know, God loves those people. And and I would hope, you know, somebody would stop for me and blah, blah, blah. And, and she was involved. Now, she didn't even get out of the car. She never even talked to these people. But she was there watching Daddy live out in, in his own little way and it, as insignificant as it might seem in the big picture, but she got to see faith in action in a practical, down-to-earth way. And sometimes all kids see is hands lifted and hands clapping and offering plates being passed. And I'm sorry, but that is not enough. That is not going to cut it. When when faith is put to the test, when it just comes down to the wire, children need to know that God is real. And the way they're going to know He's real is when they see it in your life. Speaking of that, Let's move to the harder stuff. Number four is to live out your faith. The number one reason that families don't discipline and don't uh, d- d- don't train their kids spiritually is they are not disciplined themselves and they are not spiritual people. Uh, so many Christians, especially down south, trying to hate on my own people, but everybody's Christian. Everybody goes to church. Heck, the KKK goes to stinking church. But being a churchgoer and being a follower of Christ are two different things. I could spend, you know, the old pastor would say, I, sp- I could spend time in the garage, but that doesn't make me a car. And I can go to church, but that doesn't make me a Christian. And children aren't stupid. They will do what they, what they, um, they will do what they're told to do for just so long. And then, then they're going to do what, uh, what they see you doing. And if you're telling them not to lie and you're a liar, they're going to quit believing in you. And uh, a lot of people know that and they don't want to be hypocrites, so they don't even start. They don't even discipline. They can't They can't uh, tell the kid not to be a cheater and a liar because they're a cheater and a liar. They can't make their kids pray because they don't pray themselves. So here's the thing. Try, at least try to struggle with God would be better than not trying at all. At least that's an example. Even if you can't do it right, if you keep trying, that's better than not even trying at all. It's at least showing the kids that it's worth it, that it's there's something to aspire to. See, raising up kids is basically duplicating yourself. And, uh, you know, kids are going to become what you are now. And so the question you have to ask yourself, is your life, is your heart, is your mind worth duplicating? And if it's not, then you've got work to do. You, you need to rededicate yourself to your faith and be an example worth following, a life worth duplicating. 
Again, even if you struggle with it, it's a better example than not trying to live for God at all. The only way you can really do this whole thing wrong is to quit, is to never, is to let that child know through your, you know, just through your life that this stuff's not that important. But it is. So live out your faith in a very real way. And and here's the thing. It's not about creating opportunities. You know, that story I told about pulling over the side of the road and helping folks, those were opportunities that came, I believe, because, uh, because I don't know, it just, it was accidental. I, I kind of imagine a cup and and how, you know, it would be full of the things of God through prayer, Bible reading, church attendance, you know, uh, obedience, that, that the blessings or the things of God are poured into me as a result of that. And I want to be so full of that, or I, or I imagine that, that I could be, that when I bump into people or when I bump into a situation, a little bit of it sloshes out the top accidentally. A little bit of God comes out. See, I believe that holds true because think about the opposite. How many times have you met someone who's a living, breathing jerk wad and they can't bump into anybody without a little bit of their jerkiness coming out? So I want to be the opposite of that. Um, And if your child sees that accidentally, even, because a lot of times it's easy to act right, it's hard to react right. And that reaction is where that, that comes out of your soul, your spirit. So, um, again, even if you're not, you know, work on it, work on it. Even if you're not perfect, man, I'm telling you, some of the best leadership I've ever had were people that weren't afraid to be wrong. And I've got an article on the website about being wrong in front of your kids, that kids can learn from that. It's approachable. Uh, You know, that's one of the reasons why Jesus came in human form is God was this unknowable concept. And so many Christians even are intimidated by him. But Jesus, now we like him. He's cool. He knows what it's about, even though we know somewhere in our heart that they're actually the same person you know the three-in-one concept we we send to like god more uh parents be imperfect but try try to be right okay so live out your faith number five these are the hard things hold your kids accountable but you can't do that unless you do number four living out your faith. Living a life of faith requires certain disciplines. It's just part of the deal. We believe that when you live your life according to God's way, you obviously you follow the Ten Commandments, uh, especially the first two, honoring God and loving your neighbors yourself. Um, you know, there's certain things we do and don't do. I tend to focus on being busy doing the do's so I don't have to worry about not doing the don'ts because I was kind of raised on the don'ts and I kind of hated God and Jesus and the whole church thing because I couldn't do anything fun. But uh, proper discipline and discipling and raising your child are all interchanged and all mixed together. If we don't enforce our rules and our standards, then there's no purpose in having them in the first place. One of the best examples I've seen of of how to do this is I I have a pastor friend who, with his kids, he raised the greatest kids I've ever met. They're not PK. I mean, they're pastor's kids, but they're not buttheads like so many of them are. But um, he he set standards for his home. In our home, we don't do this and we don't do that, and we do this and we do this, and we're and and. But he gives them he gives them uh, he gives them a choice when they come to him and want to watch a certain program. He'll just say, "Does it fall within these standards?" And and if and he lets them choose. If it does, and they and they realize it does, then they'll go watch it. If it doesn't, and they still want to watch it, and they choose to watch it, then he'll step in. 
And it seems to be a small difference because they're still, you know, he, he, he's given them freedom, but he's still going to, you know, get on to them if they, if they choose the wrong thing and help them choose the right thing. But I think it's key that he gives them practice choosing the right thing. See, it's like a candle on a, on a stick. I got a choice. I have freedom. I can put my hand on it or I can, I can leave it alone. Um, and, and, and if I hold my hand over that, like a stupid moron, I'm going to get burned. And that burn, honestly, is the mercy. It's mercy. It's because it causes me to pull my hand away. If I didn't have that burning f- feeling, my I'd just stand there until my fingers burn away. And that's terrible. That's worse than just a simple burn. I believe discipline is that. Proper discipline is that for kids. We we exaggerate the consequences of bad behavior. We We exaggerate the rewards of good behavior. And... Um, we, when we hold them accountable, um, we are helping them to learn to prefer good over evil. Okay. Again, discipline is not teaching a child to be good. It's teaching a child to be godly, to be like God, to be Christ-like. I'm, I, I think so many times in churches we do, we teach, we, kids learn how to not get caught more than they learn to even be good. I was going to say what they learn to be good, but they really don't. They just learn how to play the game like I did. But that's not enough because at church, see, ooh, let me just go down a little rabbit trail here for a minute. So many times churches get the worst teachers for their kids because it's whoever will come. And it's some teacher that couldn't teach big church classes, so she's going to come down here and teach the small kids. It's not all the time, but sometimes it's this way. It's people that aspire for greatness, so they're coming down here to get their their lumps in in the lower uh, in the children's ministry. Okay, and even if they're good, sometimes they fall into the category of being people that don't know how to control children and keep them engaged and entertained. So they fall back to this old school. You're going to sit there, shut up and listen, listen to me. And so kids literally, if that is their only source of spiritual input and discipline in their life, all they're going to do is learn how to uh, be good because that teacher's point i mean learn how not to get caught and learn how to just get people to get off their back because that teacher's whole point if they're that kind of person is not to get a message inside your kid's head their primary goal is to have that kid sit there and shut up see we we tell kids in in elementary school sit there and shut up sit down shut up middle school sit down shut up in high school sit down shut up and listen to me and then we wonder why when they're adults when we really need them to start helping and pouring into the church all they'll do is sit there and shut up. So there's my rabbit trail. There's my little my little tangent. But hold them accountable. Got way off. Um, get that child to the point where they prefer. They see that every time they step over this line. And 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 I did a series on Geek Loves Nerd about discipline. I've got this idea of good behavior, rewardable behavior, punishable behavior. So look that up. Google it um, um, or search for it on the website about proper discipline, and you'll see a whole series I've done on that. It's really good stuff. If you have any questions, email me, and I'll fill you in. But I'm going to know if you read my stuff first. So don't, don't just barrage me with a ton of questions that I've already written stuff down about. But um, – if they consistently see that they're getting stung when they step over the bad mark and they're getting rewarded, see, they're, they're, we model a godly life. They get to share the benefits of our obedience as parents. Do you see that? Um, or they're going to experience the negative consequences. I've seen some good kids come out of some bad homes because of that. 
But when we properly punish bad choices, we help them see the consequences of sin. All right. The third one, and la- our sixth one, and last one for today, for today's show, is um, let them choose. Okay. I, I kind of addressed that a little bit earlier on, but th- this is kind of different than what I was talking about with my pastor buddy. The hardest thing a parent will ever do is let their child go and 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 have to sit back and and hope to God that they've poured enough into that kid to carry them through. The world, we know, you know, whether you're a person of faith or not, you know this world is jacked up. There are some self-centered people that are just screwing up. I mean, that's why we have third world countries for the love. Is somebody, there's enough food to feed everybody. Somebody's being selfish, keeping it all to themselves. Some some dark overlord, some some dictator screwing it up for everybody. The world is jacked up. And even on a, in, on a lesser scale, even people in business and the world out there, college and da 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 da. There's so many conflicting, uh, you know, viewpoints and different things. It's gonna be hard for your kid. It's hard to trust what you've poured into them. But there's a promise. The Bible says if you show your kid, I'm paraphrasing like mad, but if you show your kid the right way to go when they're old, when they grow up, they will not depart from it. They will go the way you showed them. And that's why it's important to model, because I really believe, train up a child the way it should go. Show that kid how to do it. And then we have to sit back and hope that what we invest in that child can carry them through. See, I, I'm a pastor, but I'm never going to force my child to be saved. She will go to church. That is a standard we have set. Um, just like I, I, she will go to school and on and on and on. She doesn't mind it. She doesn't hate it. Um, but my goal is I'm, I'm never going to force her to be a person of faith. If I live my life correctly, if I show her the benefits of, of being a person who loves God and commits their heart to Christ, if it's real, like I know it is, then that will be enough to convince that child, my children, that they need to follow the same direction and the direction that I've shown them, the direction that I've gone. And I don't want them to have some some crutch of my faith, you know, some version where once they move out of my house, they have no faith because they just believed whatever dad believed. No, I want to give them opportunities to test it and 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 uh, and you know, put it to work. See, I don't want them to get out in college and have to start testing their faith. That's dangerous. I want them to have tried it out here in the in the protection of my home and not set up the experiment just to come out the way I wanted it to. That's cheating. Kids are going to eventually catch on to that. I am going to give the I'm going to have them try out their faith in real life and see if if you know, maybe maybe even run the risk of putting God to the test a little bit. See if he will do what he says he will do. If he doesn't, then I need to quit and find out what works. But I know he will, and he has. And when that child's faith is tested and tried and refined, it'll be stronger. And uh, hopefully even stronger than mine. See, we want our kids to be smarter than us. We want them to do better than us. Why not spiritually too? See, these aren't all the answers. I didn't talk anything about prayer Although I believe in nighttime or morning prayers, whatever you want to do. I didn't talk about the best time to have your kids read the Bible. You know, if your kids aren't reading the Bible, the best time for me that I found is when they would be eating their cereal. 
Because if you're like me as a kid, you read the cereal box while you ate your cereal. Well, let them read the cereal box the first time. But after that, pop that Bible out and use that time to have them uh, read scripture. How, how much to have them read? I'm a big fan of having them read, you know, a chapter or a half a chapter or read the first half of it the first day and the second and, and let it last for, you know, a couple of weeks to a month. Let them reread the same stuff. Um, don't don't jump around all over the place. Um, find something that's interesting and applicable and focus on, you know, write a list of things your kids struggle with. If it's obedience, if it's temper, if it's whatever, and then go to a, uh, you know, if you go to BibleGateway.com, they have a topical search and find some scriptures on that or a Bible story on that. Depending on the age of your kid, read it to them or have them read it themselves. Ask them questions about it and see challenge them but see if they don't start uh, changing their attitude and and once you've see here's the magic is once you've had them read those stories they know the standard that you've set for your home is based on those stories and those ideas and those concepts then you can start holding them accountable to them but you can't if you haven't trained them it's not even fair so there you go there you go if you have any questions or comments or input on any of the topics that we've covered today, I'd love to hear about them. You can send such things to james at geeklovesnerd.com. That's right. We've changed the email. We've still got the old one, geeklovesnerd at gmail.com. But james at, at geeklovesnerd.com is also very available. Check us out online, geeklovesnerd.com. we got forums, articles, all kinds of good stuff. Give us a call today at two or 9203 GLN, GLN. Again, that's 9203 GLN, GLN. GLN stands for Geek Loves Nerd. And we'd love to hear from you. And, uh, you know, send Jen an email if you want to. Geek Loves Nerd. Or send it to James at geeklovesnerd.com. Tell her you miss her. Tell her you wanted to blog again. Uh, whoa, that's the wrong out music. That was uh, nobody's listening. All right, so we're going to get out of here. Um, thank you for hanging out with us. God bless you, and uh, see you next time. Love's